You ever look at a paid job and be like, whoever did this is a true artist and professional? With over 40 years of experience, the original Bay Area painters can turn your commercial and private property into a work of art. Do your business and home a favor and hit up George Gomez at bayareapainters.sfc at gmail.com. That is bayareapainters.sfc at gmail.com for rates. The original Bay Area Painters. Professionalism at its best. Ladies and gents, welcome to another dope, live, fresh edition of the Rational Rage Podcast. I'm one half the dynamic duo, BG from the Cuatro Pince. Spiro, he's out there doing his thing, going through the process of becoming a United States Marine. But before I forget, let me drop some plugs for you. You can find me on IG under G415. 0351 that is G4150351 the hermano Spiro you can find him on IG under the underscore rational underscore one that is one spelled with a zero N E drop him a DM drop us DMs hit up the website at www.rationalrage.com send us messages voice or type written speaking of type written you can hit up the mailbag at rationalrage.mailbag at gmail.com. That is rationalrage.mailbag at gmail.com. And for all of you, you loyal listeners, we keep picking up numbers, downloads keep increasing. Much love and respect to all of you. We are truly, truly humbled that you tune in day in and day out, whether it be through Spotify. Anchor FM, Apple Podcast, or at the website I just mentioned, www.rationalrage.com. So let's get to it. This subject brings back some dope, dope memories. And that subject is pro wrestling. When I think back of pro wrestling, I think back to the WWF house shows at the Cow Palace. Going there with my older brother, whether it was just, whether it was just he and I, or if it was him, my little sister, myself, and my cousins, always great memories. I remember this one time we went to watch a house show at that venue, the Cow Palace, the legendary Cow Palace. So we're leaving, and this is the backside of the arena, and we see the Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond. These dudes are about to jump in their hoop-the-ass car. So we're walking. I spot them, and I'm like, Rougeau brothers, you suck. So it was Raymond, and he's like, fuck you. (laughs) I mean, even though he told me that, it was a dope memory because a lot of these, um, you know, because you see these people on TV, you're like, nah, you know, they're not going to acknowledge me. You know, some snot nose, punk kid, whatever. They're like, hey, who the fuck is this guy? And of course, uh, uh, my sister, she was a big, big Bushwhackers fan. My apologies to her for telling her to calm down. That was not cool. You know, she was just a little kid having fun. I remember uh, 
we went to this house show and uh, the big boss man, may he rest in peace, he came out with his manager, Slick. So my cousin, uh, the one who lives up in Washington State, he said, I forgot what he said to the big boss man. The big boss man stopped. He acknowledged him. And he gave him this look like he was going to fuck him up, like his whole world was going to end. When he listens to this, he's probably going to deny it. But we all remember. And of course, like, if you grew up in that era, that that fucking, I think they call it the rock and wrestling era, I forgot. And you grew up watching dudes like Hulk Hogan, like Macho Man, like Ted DiBiase, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, the Ultimate Warrior, all these dudes, these bigger than life dudes. You most likely, you know, fucking wrestled. Wrestling in the backyards, at school, DDTs, elbows, leg drops, body slams, pile drivers, all types of shit. I mean, snap suplexes. Speaking of that cousin who lived in Washington State, he remembers that very, very special snap suplex I gave to this particular fucking scumbag. Motherfucker almost went out the window. And of course, my cousin remembers that one setup that he did with that just mentioned scumbag got a hot one to the gut because he was trying to hit him with a macho elbow. And we remember all those dope memories, buying fucking merch, shirts, posters, pro wrestling illustrated magazine at Ricky's. If you're from the hood or you're from the mission from 24th Street side, the OG Ricky's right there on 24th New York. That's where I used to get my wrestling magazines at. But the one person that put me up on knowledge, as far as wrestling goes, that's my older brother. He used to wake me up at around 10.50-something so we can watch um, Saturday night's main event. And they always had like these steel cage matches, the OG fucking blue WWF cage. Seeing that right there. And seeing fucking uh, Hulk Hogan go at it against fucking Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. May you rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful. And seeing that type of stuff right there. Um, fucking seeing the OG NWA, Starcade, the scaffold match between the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express. Speaking of Midnight Express, fucking RIP, beautiful Bobby Eaton and the Road Warriors. RIP to both. Very, very sad that a lot of these... Uh, wrestlers and I'm mentioning, you know, are I have passed on. You know, their memory still lives on, but they've you know how it is, they put a lot of they put a lot of stuff into their body, a lot of stress into their body with you know, with all these um drugs and shit. That era, that juice era, I guess you can call it too. And watching that right there, just like wanting to be like these dudes. And then the OG WCW with Sting, you know, California blonde, face paint, colorful, all that shit, man. Fucking the ultimate warrior. This dude was like energy from like, from the moment his song hit, you knew exactly what was going to happen. He'll take that ring, running around, fucking the ropes, doing his thing. So I grew up during that era of wrestling. 
And for a minute, you know, I fell off because what I was watching after the Attitude Era ended, the Attitude Era, man, everybody was tuning in to watch that, man. You could see, like, all the stupid shit that was going on in WWE and in WCW, the Monday Night Wars, fucking Stone Cold hitting Vinnie Mac. Yeah. Hitting that asshole right across the head with his bedpan. The beer truck, the mill truck with fucking Kurt Angle, all this like out there shit, dude. It was more soap opera than wrestling, but it kept you entertained. And you see these crowds, you see the people out there with their signs, the commentary, fucking what led up to that attitude era, of course, was that Montreal screw job. I think you've all heard about that, right? When Brett the Hitman Hart was going to drop his title because he was he was leaving WWF or E, I forgot, but he was leaving and he was going to WCW. So from what he said, he was going to drop the belt to Shawn Michaels, but he didn't want to do it in Canada. He wanted to do he wanted to do that in the States. So you know how that shit went. Business is business. Shawn Michaels put that super whack sharpshooter on Bret Hart didn't tap out Earl Hebner I think it was him it was one of the twins bing 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 bell rings fucking Bret Hart spits in Vinny Mac's face supposedly he knocked him out backstage and there you go that was like the first taste of the character that went on to become Mr. McMahon because before that man if you just see like Vinny Mac dude he was right there doing commentary you know Commentary, whether it be with Gorilla Monsoon, rest in peace, whether it be with Bobby Heenan, rest in peace, whether it be with Jesse the Body, you know, just doing his thing. He was just that dude, just some lame ass dude. He wasn't that character that he became. And supposedly that's him in real life. But, you know, for everybody has their stories, whatever. So when you used to watch that wrestling, when you used to go back and forth, the USA Network, the TNT, on Mondays, checking out Raw, checking out Nitro, seeing these dudes go about it. The NWO, the birth of it, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Now, I never knew Kevin Nash from any other spot other than WWEF. I mean, WWFE. Didn't know him from any other, didn't know him from AWA. Fucking NWA, WCW, didn't know from any other spot other than the fucking Vinnie Mac's fucking um, Vinnie Mac's joint, you know? But Scott Hall, this dude, I remember him from AWA. He had that cowboy look. If you saw these country characters back in the day, they all had that look. They had that fake ass fucking Magnum PI mustache, that handlebar, fucking the vests. The, uh, the cowboy wrestling boots. Shit, man. Check out the American Dream, daddy. Check him out. That dude right there, you know? Fucking Dusty Rhodes is one of the, the greatest talkers, man. One of the greatest workers. And by worker, you know, I'm not trying to speak in wrestling lingo and get all these wrestlers fucking have their panties get bunched up because you know how it is. You can't tell these dudes. As a fan, you can't tell these guys. Anything about their business 
because it's not your business. You don't know the ins and outs. Yeah, like with social media, it's made things more, I guess, not as kayfabe, which is a suspension of disbelief between reality, between fiction and nonfiction. There we go. So when you saw a dude like Dusty Rhodes, yeah, you know, he was, you know, he was a chunky dude, not going to lie. But if you saw him during his glory days of the NWA WCW, when he cut that promo and you saw, you know, for the son of a plumber, this, 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 and he just, you know, he had you paying attention to him. And of course, his battles with the four horsemen, I'm talking about Ric Flair, I'm talking about fucking Arn Anderson. Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, and of course their manager, James J. Dillon. Those bats that they had, fucking Dusty Rhodes teaming up with Magnum T.A. Handlebar mustache, that dude. Great dude, man. That was a solid guy. And you saw those matches, man, like those steel cage matches in those southern type territories. And those dudes were... If you saw the NWA in those days, it wasn't like that bigger than life cartoonish type characters that the WWE had, you know, like Hulk Hogan, like all these dudes. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a different era. And of course, uh, getting back to the attitude era, those Monday night wars, it was the, what made it more interesting was the backstage stuff. Those interactions that they've had. These guys like talking the way they did, whether it was vulgar language that was being used at ECW. I remember tuning in and being like, what the fuck is this? And just seeing these guys just cussing and cussing, whether it was the Dudley boys or fucking, damn, I forget that dude's name, dude, but he was hardcore. I'll probably remember it later on, maybe before this episode is over or when it is over. But you see ECW, all these guys. And then when Stone Cold, excuse me, Steve Austin, when he went, when he got fired from WCW, when he was studying Steve Austin, when he was teaming up with Brian Pillman, they were the Hollywood Blondes. These dudes had a good thing going. Stone Cold gets fired. He goes on to ECW, does his thing, cuts that promo. Supposedly that, for, for supposedly ECW never really belonged to Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, I remember that guy. That dude used to be Paul E. Dangerously. He used to be a manager back in the WCW days. I remember him managing this team called the Skyscrapers. And that team was Dangerous Danny Spivey and Mean Mark Callis. Me and Mark Callis went on to become one of the greatest characters in wrestling history, The Undertaker. All right, so I'm dropping some knowledge to all of you because I've been watching wrestling for a long time, and I remember watching the AWA, the WWFE, NWA, WCW, watching these things, and also watching Lucha Libre, tuning into like fucking Univision. Because it wasn't Telemundo back in the day. It was just Univision. Tuning into Univision, watching Lucha Libre. And I used to hear about these characters from my brother. Whether it was Santos, whether it was Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, Perro Aguayo, this guy or that guy. Watching these dudes 
And that, of course, was a different style of wrestling because it was more acrobatics. And every now and then, you know, Puerto Rican wrestling used to come on. And that was my comparison would be like, would be this, like Lucha Libre Mexicana would be kind of like the WWF. And Lucha Libre Puerto Ricana would be like the NWA, kind of like that. And of course, in the in the PR territory, you would have got you know, of course, the legendary Carlos Colon, fucking legend. But then you'd also have dudes fucking stateside that would come over, Bruiser Brody, Abdullah the Butcher, these dudes, and um, fucking Tony Atlas, that guy. If you watch Young Rock, then of course you know you must know about Tony Atlas. If you watch that show about the Rock when he was a little kid, but we used to watch all this stuff, and you would hear stories about these dudes. This was before the internet. This is like from word of mouth, and then you would see how fans would be. The suspension of disbelief, like oh shit, you know, is this real or is this fake? And it brings it up to like. The new age fans, which I'm honestly going to call the de-evolution of the fan, because the more knowledge that they've gotten, the more toxic and ignorant some of these fans have become. Because a lot of them take to Twitter, they start to bitch and moan about who should have done this, who should have done that, this person shouldn't be here, this person shouldn't be there. If you cheer for WWE, fuck you. If you cheer for... Fucking now AEW, fuck you. And everybody's like, like, yo, man, just go to an event and just enjoy it. Whether it's AEW, whether it's Impact, WWE, or any independent promotion out there, just go and enjoy it. And then when a lot of these fans are trying to tell these wrestlers how to go about their business, how to do this, how to do that. And then when these wrestlers call them marks, they get offended. When they call them this, that, or whatever, they get offended. But the one thing I do give to the fan is that if it wasn't for the fan, a lot of these wrestlers wouldn't be known. Because a lot of these wrestlers forget that they, at one point, if they were wrestling fans, they were fans themselves, and they were most likely going to these message boards Telling Joe Schmuckatelli in whatever promotion how to do this, this, and this. Fuck. Tony Khan, the current owner of AEW, he used to be on those message boards back in the days. Fucking dropping his input on how he would have done this storyline. So, it all starts somewhere. And when when I fell off, when I stopped watching wrestling, because I did not... I honestly did not watch that Ruthless Aggression era because it just turned me off because it was just not something that I was into. Because I would see, fuck, I remember one time I was channel surfing and it happened to be on a Monday. Raw happened to be on. I'm channel surfing and I see this white dude come out. And I'm like, who the fuck is this clown? So he comes out, whatever. I think he had like one of those like um, bucket hats. Yeah, he had a bucket hat. And a throwback jersey, those Michelin Ness ones. And he had like a, not a dookie chain, not like those gold ropes, but like a chain chain. 
And I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? So he comes out, he gets in the ring, he starts rapping. I'm like, who the fuck is this white boy? And then, you know, they showed his name, John Cena. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I'm like, fuck this shit. I just completely turned it off because it was just not something that I was interested in. John Cena went on to become a fucking legend. A legend 20 years in the game. This year, 20 years in the fucking game. So what brought me back to wrestling and I've continued to watch it till this day was the death of Macho Man. Because if you grew up in that era, you remember Macho Man. Oh, yeah. You, know, you remember him just, fuck, how many of us didn't get on top of something and try to hit one of our buddies, frenemies, cousins, siblings with a fucking macho elbow? How many of us didn't try to do his voice? This dude's iconic. That's what, you know, that's what a lot of these newer wrestlers don't realize is that these dudes will live on forever. Hulk Hogan, fucking bullshit drama to the side, whatever, whether he held somebody back or not, racism or whatever. Hulk Hogan, if it wouldn't be for him, where would wrestling be? If it wouldn't be for Ric Flair, where would wrestling be? Yeah, sometimes you get tired of seeing these old dudes come like, man, what the fuck is this old guy doing out there? I don't want to see him wrestle. I just want to see him go out there and say what he has to say. Hopefully it's not some gibberish. Hopefully they're not on one, whatever. But you remember these icons because they're still being quoted. Fucking Ric Flair has had rap songs made of him. But then sometimes you got to know when to step back and let these young dudes have at it. So like I said, so when I came back to wrestling to see what type of fucking what WWE was going to do for one of their legends for Macho Man. You know, what kind of celebration of life. So I tuned in, I saw all these wrestlers, whatever. Vince McMahon, he's out there. Stephanie McMahon, who supposedly Macho Man did his thing with. Who knows? All rumors. So I see them. I'm like, fuck, you know. And something inside of me, I'm like, you know, kind of made me, you know, kind of like, kind of like a like a knot in my throat. Because I started thinking back to my childhood and how things were. And I started watching these wrestlers or whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, this is because the majority of these dudes I didn't recognize. You know, so I started getting back into it because I started hearing about this dude named CM Punk. And everybody remembers the Summer of Punk. If you've been a hardcore fan of CM Punk since the days of ROH, they, then it was pretty much similar to that summer that he had when he dropped that when he dropped that pipe bomb. And if you heard about these rumors about how Triple H was holding people back, how his buddies Kevin Nash, fucking Scott Hall. And Shawn Michaels, like all the shady shit they did behind the scenes to a lot of these wrestlers. You started thinking back to a lot of that. And you and you're like, well, fuck, man. So that pipe bomb right there was something just like something crazy, something unbelievable. Because it kind of like gave you an insight as a fan. The dirty, grimy shit that went on behind the scenes. And of course, you know, like nowadays, this new era, there's a lot of podcasts out there. A lot of people, whether they are wrestlers, managers, fans or whatever, that have a podcast about wrestling. Whether you're Jim Cornette, 
legendary manager. This dude goes off on Twitter, these rants, whatever, whether you agree with him or not, you know, find him entertaining or not, cringeworthy or not, whatever. You know, that dude has credibility because he was in the business. Some of the stuff that he says, some people may be outdated, but that's just who he is. And then you have the guy who a lot of these indie AEW wrestlers are trying to impress. Dave Meltzer, the Meltzer rating system, all these stars or whatever. And this dude's always had some type of issue with WWFE because I think Vinnie Mac told him to go fuck himself, something like that. But he's always shitting on WWFE and their product. And sometimes it's justifiable. And of course, uh, you got his boy, Brian Alvarez. Um, you got fucking Eric Bischoff, uh, Conrad Thompson. Who else, man? Of course, you know, you got the, uh, of uh, the dudes over there at fucking keeping it 100. You got the, uh, the legend Conan. You got his boy Disco Inferno and you got Joe the producer. At first, when I started listening to these dudes, they had this one asshole, this transplant from fucking New York, this guy named Kevin Gill. This motherfucker was a condescending prick. And not only that, though, but he but he was a walking contradiction, a hypocrite. Because he would shit on whatever he thought was negative. But, yeah, he was out there fucking pandering, begging for like tickets or this, this, that or whatever. And he was always on some fake shit, some fake ass holier than thou shit. My interaction with this fucking clown was when he was trying to tell me, a native San Franciscan, what I should and shouldn't call my hometown. A fucking transplant. So this fucking asshole, he stepped on the wrong toes and he eventually got his ass slapped by a fucking Hells Angel at an event somewhere in San Francisco. But hey, but that's, you know, that's one of the podcasts that I listen to. Fuck, I mean, it got me banned for a month <laughs> because cause I asked if Disco was the first ever trans athlete. Now, here's one thing. I don't, that right there to me is hilarious because it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, my boxers aren't going to get bunched up. I'm not going to get sensitive. I come from a different era. You know, fuck, I come from an era in which people spoke to you with the truth, no matter how shitty it was, because the truth is never meant to be beautiful. The truth is the truth. Lies are meant to coddle, you know, and I had a couple of interactions with some of these people and it's like, yeah, you know, you are who you are. I know who you are. But that doesn't mean that because you hold a certain status in life that people can't get at you. And call you out on your bullshit. So, you know, these podcasts, you know, I mean, they are entertaining. So here's my thing to all of you listeners, to all of you that are listening to this podcast. For me, this is the first ever because the topics that we've spoken about have not been wrestling related. They've been about uh, conspiracies, boxing, life, stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of times like, oh, you know, how old are you? And why are you still watching wrestling? Shit. One of my fucking bucket list moments happened when WrestleMania was held over here at Levi Stadium. That fucking dump, the home of the 49ers. That, that was a bucket list moment for me because I grew up watching this, the WrestleMania, seeing all this like, 
like the way they went at it, all these like the pyros, the the sets, the surprises, all this crazy shit. And it's like this new this new wrestling when you look at dudes like Roman Reigns and his cousins. Cousins being from the city, from the swamps, fucking their pops was a legend with Kishi. When you see these dudes in their lineage, the way they go about it. They actually brought WWE back. But that's the one thing when when Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, when these dudes were talking about AEW, I'm like, man, this is going to be some dope shit because now they're going to give WWE competition because they had some legit dudes that were with them that knew the WWE system, that knew what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah, it's brand new. It's been around since 2019. But the way I see it, when you have that type of caliber, you shouldn't be fucking up the way you do. Because you see these, wow, these mistakes, these botches, blatant, blatant shit. Yeah, they've gotten better. But like I said, when you have that type of caliber, when you have dudes like Jim Ross, the legendary Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, when you have fucking Paul White, the big show, we have Mark Henry, we have all these former WWE, WCW guys. These excuses shouldn't be. Their production should be more tight than what it is. But this is just me from the outside looking in. I don't know the business. It's kind of like when I went at it with this one fucking wrestler one time and he was trying to tell me about the military. And I told him, just how you get mad when people try to come at you and tell you about wrestling. I'm not going to speak about wrestling because I'm from the outside looking in. But when you try to speak about the military like you know about the military, you don't know shit. So that little back and forth ended right there. But anyways, I don't want to get off track. So this is what I tell my people. For those of you that are checking this podcast out, if you're still watching wrestling or if you think back to wrestling, even if you were never a hardcore fan, I guarantee you that you knew dudes like Hulk Hogan, you knew Sting, you knew Macho Man, you knew Ric Flair, you knew Dusty Rhodes and World Warriors, etc., etc. You knew these dudes. You might have copied them. You might have hit one of your boys or somebody with a wrestling move of theirs. And it always brings back those dope memories of when shit was more simple than what it is today because sadly like wrestling has taken on today's vibe and that shouldn't be because wrestling should be an escape from the bullshit just like sports when you watch sports you tune in to tune out you know anyways folks i'm truly truly humbled we are humbled that you continue to support us download subscribe and share whether it be here in America, Latino America, Asia, Europe, the Middle East. Much love to all of you for tuning in and supporting the Rational Rage, which which I think is probably one of the realest podcasts out there because when Spiro and I speak, you can feel the passion, the authenticity. So, folks, once again, you can find me on IG under G. 415-0351, the hermano Spiro, the Puerto Greek legend. You can find him on IG under the underscore rational underscore one. That is one spelled with a zero in front of the N-E. 
hit us up. No bots, no bullshit. Drop a line. You know, tell us what you want to hear next. You know, drop an email. Some love, some hate, whatever. It's all appreciated. So, folks, stay safe. Stay healthy mentally and physically. Till next time. This is BG from the Cuatro Quince. Peace. This episode of the Rational Rage Podcast is brought to you by Zeopala Photography, the number one photographers in the tri-state area. For all your photography needs, visit www.zeopalaphotography.com. Book your shoot.